This is a 30-second stereo radio for Trade School in the Home Depot. Spot code YHTFD00RGA0. Spot title, Project Planning Homeowner 101. So you're ready to tackle a home improvement project on your own. Let's make a plan. Take a free workshop from the Home Depot and get live help from our expert associates. Whether you're upgrading your kitchen or overhauling your bathroom, we'll provide everything you need to get started. You'll know what to look for and what to avoid, so you can take on any project with confidence. Homeowner 101 Livestream Workshops from the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Register now at homedepot.com slash workshops. Now back to Riffin' with Raph and AD on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. We are back. So, Jake, hey, Raffy. Jake was telling us that he played for the tips yesterday <laughs> at Woodland, Woodland Hills. Woodland Hills, Eagle, yeah. And you you shot what yesterday? Well, I'm not trying to brag. I was just telling a story. I mean, I, I shot oh. one over from the tips. It was very windy. I was. Oh, I, here we go. I, I played pretty well, though. I'm, I, I have nothing bad to say. I played well in a very windy day. Raff, you guys who, play golf, too. Yeah, but not the way you play. Hey, Raph, who would you shoot <laughs> playing from the tips at, at Willen Hills? Yeah, I'd probably still be out there. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great answer, Raph. I didn't I didn't I didn't play from the tips yesterday and it was it was a rough around the course, but you know, I made it. Raph, but hole number eighteen was great, though. Fantastic. What, what course did you play yesterday down there in Arizona? I played Silverado Country Club. Silverado. Hey, Raph, isn't the waste management open going on this week? Are you going to go check that out? Yeah, I'm actually that way, about half a mile. It's right there. I've okay. been hearing music and stuff all day. So yeah, I was there a couple of years ago. That's uh you said in the on the par three, the the party hole. I've played that course. A couple huh? times, TPC Scottsdale. I've played it a few times, and I've been to the, the tournament. It, that tournament's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. It's a ton of fun, though. You know what, fellas? Here's where we're going. We got Jay Gates here with us right now, folks. Uh, to the listeners out there, thank you for tuning in. Again, we got me, former Oscar Jake Gates. We got our guy, Jake, who is a Dolphins fan. We're going <laughs> to let that slide. Uh, for tonight, and actually, and I, and I say that jokingly, but I, I do like the Dolphins. I like what they got going on. It's hard to dislike them. They haven't done anything for a while. We're, we're kind of like a little kid. You know, we can't really do anything. You know, right? It's kind of like pew, pew, pew. Yeah, the <laughs> like a grown man, you know, and we're just like a little, little baby kid. It's just trying to find our way. Harmless. Might trip you once in a while, but you know they're going to just fall apart. So it's like a harmless kid for the most part. Right. But we do like our Dolphins, and we do like Jake here. Jay, okay. Colorado. Born and raised. Well, I was born and raised here. Born and raised here. Born and raised born here. Born and raised here. Moved to Colorado my junior year in high school. So it, I, li- I, born, I was born and raised here in Nebraska. Nebraska football was in my blood. You know, I think my first Husker game, my dad had season tickets from 68 on. Um, so I think my first game was Florida State here at home in 1980 or 81. So right. I was a fan before I was a player. Definitely a fan before I was a player. I mean, I grew up living and dying on the Oklahoma game and, and those games. That, so what that year would you it. say that would have been, Jay, when you 
when the, when the Husker fever just kind of got a hold of you? Oh, night that first. My dad was such a passionate Husker fan that uh, I mean, you, you, there was no options in my house, mm-hmm. um, and he didn't really watch a lot of NFL. So and so I learned the game and attended the games, and then uh, we were fortunate enough to all of our family vacations were basically around Husker bowl games, which actually. Back then, Nebraska went to bowl games every year. So um, every year we would be at a bowl game. So, I mean, Husker football was my life. Absolutely. I mean, and those those players and Coach Osborne, they were gods. You know, as a, as a little kid, I mean, they were that was it. That's all I knew. So, Jay, let me ask you this, man. So you are you go to high school at Southeast High School. That's where you finish up high school, right? Yeah. I, well, no, that's, I, that's where I, when I moved. Like, I think I met Raph. Raph, did I meet you at Leffler, ninth grade? Yep. Yeah. Junior so, high. Junior high, I met Raph uh, at Leffler. And then my sophomore year, I played ball at Southeast. Actually, I played my freshman year. And my sophomore year, I actually hurt my hand, I think. Um, and I didn't play football again. My, my mom uh, moved to Colorado. And I ended up going to Colorado and finishing high school out there. Played golf. Didn't play football because my credits didn't transfer right. And it mm-hmm. was a big big mess uh but i finished high school and then uh ended up coming back to nebraska uh, jay, for, for the university jay you came here look, look, and i want this to the listeners out there and the word i came up with tonight was resilience yeah. jay gates and i'm saying this to all the listeners out there <laughs> and, and you know what i know with covid etc and this is kind of my little spiel form tonight jay this is my spiel form tonight jay yeah some of you right now are going through a lot with COVID. You're working remote. You're teaching your kids remote. Uh, you're sick of the mask. You don't want the mask. Some of you do want the mask. I'm not getting into that debate. That's just that's just not my cup of tea. I'm not getting into that. I'm getting into resilience and how all of us right now are going through something, some more than others. And many of you know this already, but the past two years, and Jay is the epitome of what I'm going to get to, so bear with me here. Jay is the epitome of the point of resilience. COVID hits March 2020. And we're thinking, two weeks, we'll be right back. And we're good. And then May 3rd of 2021, I was diagnosed with prostate cancer. You know, as you know, Jay. Jake, you didn't know that, but Jay knows and Raph knows that. Then November 28th, my father passes away unexpectedly. Resilience. September 12th, my beloved bulldog, Samson, passes away after 12 years. Jay, I say all that to bring up the point resilience and you know resilience and i was looking at this on on, online today resilience says the capacity to recover quickly from difficulties the capacity to recover quickly from difficulties jay gates our guest tonight former nebraska defensive back uh one of our own folks i watched jay and i was a fellow walk-on as well and i watched jay come out year after year and just kept coming out and in 97, he makes a team. Jay, why did you keep coming out for the team? Like I said, you know, I mean, I grew up as a Husker, and uh, it was the rings. I'll be honest with you. It was at your house after the 94 season. After the ring ceremony, there was a party 
and all the guys had their rings, and I saw that ring, and I was like, oh, wow. I got to give me one of those. <laughs> give me one of those. Right? <laughs> and and, and, and that, that's really what really sparked, kind of sparked it. But, uh, you know, I just, I remember telling people, uh, you know, I'll, I, want, I want to play for the Huskers. I mean, I was like any kid that grew up in Nebraska in the 80s. That's what I wanted to do. And so when I got here and was going to school and, I saw a sign that said "Open Tryouts." It blew my mind. Like, I, like I said, I was a fan. So, uh, it was after my freshman year, '93. We played for the national title and lost to Florida State. Cheated by Florida State, my ass. Whatever your opinion, my was, man. We did not win. Not an opinion. <laughs> it's a fact. It's a fact. That, that, that must be referee Jay talking right yeah. now. And not <laughs> <laughs> so, Coach Osborne, we beg to differ. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, I, I mean, 93, I remember it was actually January of 94, um, and I don't remember. I think it was at the Rex Center or whatever, but they had a sign for open tryouts for the Nebraska football team, and it blew my mind. You know, I mean, I, I hadn't played since literally my sophomore year in high school at Southeast, and this was several a few years later, right? And then uh, so I went over to the tryouts, uh, listened to Boyd Epley give the little rah-rah speech, like, we don't need any of you. You know, if there's one or two of you can help us beat Colorado, then you can you can come on out. You know, they give you this little rally, and then they have like a little mini combine. That's what it was, and it's still it's like pro day today, you know, or same thing. They still do it, and uh, you know, you run the forty, uh, uh, did vertical jump, ran the shuttle, you know, the, all the testing that they were right. doing at the time. Right. And there's probably 40, maybe 50 guys that showed up for tryouts. Mm -hmm. And then they said, all right, thanks for coming out. And uh, there'll be a list posted on Sunday or Monday or whatever. And I went over there. My name was on the list. And so I got to do winter conditioning, and it was cool. I thought I was a Husker, but uh, it wasn't meant to be. So uh, I don't even think I made it. I didn't even make it. I mean, I did winter conditioning, but I remember – that was it. Like, I couldn't do swing ball. Like, Coach Brown was like, nah, um, you're going to get hurt. <laughs> <laughs> you're I, will say, I will say, though, I remember back probably 93, 94, and being at the Cook, and Jay's, Jay was always in the Cook playing football, and I remember this vividly. And usually it's like two-hand touch the Cook, no pads, of course. Jay's like, we're playing tackle. I'm every single time is like we're playing tackle. So here we are out there in the cook running around, no pads on, playing tackle football. I I, I don't know why I remember that, but oh yeah, I, I boy, yeah, remember I, that vividly. Yeah, that was that was probably my freshman year when we were playing in the cook. Yeah, so so that was '93, and then uh, to long. It's a long story, so so I'll kind of go as quick as I can. So then in '94, um, you know, you guys won the national title. And uh, came back, same thing. They had the tryouts. I went out there. I had thrown the ball. I had played when I first went down there. Uh, when I was going through winter conditioning, I was kind of going back and forth between quarterback and wide receiver. Coach Brown's the one who told me, hey, this ain't going to work out, whatever. <laughs> so then when I went back in 94, I did it again, thinking, oh, the, you know, this time it'll, it'll all work out. And my name wasn't even on the list. Oh, I get it. So I called uh, Coach Gill. And I said, hey, what do I got to do, man? You know, I, I really want to make this happen. What do I got to do? And I'll never forget that phone call because Coach Gill was like, dude, you don't have what it takes. 
Um, so you don't have to take what it, you don't have what it takes to be a Nebraska Cornhusker, and so we don't we don't need you. And that was, I mean, and that was really the end. Like he sat there, like, do you have any other questions? <laughs> 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 and so that I said, okay, so uh, so that's just it, right? And he was like, yeah, th- thank you for calling. We appreciate you coming out, and and, and that was it. And so, uh, you know, then they won the national title again. And I went back down there. Uh, and kept going. Yeah, and I went back again the next year uh, and did it again. You know what, speaking of resilience, we had someone come on, on the text line. It's mentioned that they had channels 3, 10, and 17, and 12 in rural Nebraska. Dan Marino was on uh, like every week on CBS, and he was my hero. I'm still a Dolphins fan to so this day. Maybe they won't pay their new coach to lose games. Jake, <laughs> my man. Yeah. Yes. I'm going to let you come back in a second. We got our boy Ryan Hustle. Hustle, what's up, big dog? He goes, even I remember Jake kept showing up and keeping up it to make the team back in the day and thought to myself, ain't going to happen until one day it did. Props to Jay. Appreciate it, it, that, Hutz. It did happen. It finally Appreciate happened. Appreciate that. Yep. Jake, what do you think? Do you think we'll overpay? What? You, this this is your squad. Yeah, the Dolphins are your squad. What do you think to our, our calling right well, there? Well, here's here's the issue. This is this is referring to the fact that Brian Flores, the previous head coach, who was fired in early January, was supposedly paid off or it was offered by Stephen Ross, the owner, a hundred grand per loss in per 2019 loss. to land the number one overall pick, which would have been Joe Burrow, which would have worked out pretty well as we see right now <laughs> with the team that's in the Super Bowl. Tua, yes. still yet to be seen if he's going to be a franchise quarterback. He's not bad. He's just not great. So, I mean, you know, I, I don't like tanking, but tanking also exists in the NBA. It's worse in the NBA. Yes, it does. I totally right? agree. Like, we don't talk. You know, it's obviously something that exists, but no one really mentions it saying it's, it's just despicable or terrible. Where the NFL, if it happens one time, everyone wants to bring down the, the Miami Dolphins for doing this, which would land them maybe a Super Bowl appearance two years later. I'm not saying a def- I'm not this is not me saying I, I defend the, the the notion that Stephen Ross offered Brian Flores 100 grand per loss to Do lose. you think he did, Jake? Do you think I'm 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 just kind of calling you out, big dog. So do you think that he offered Flores 100 grand a loss? Yeah. In your gut. Yeah. You really do? Yeah, I think so. Gates, what do you think? I don't know. I mean, it- I have a hard time. I mean, I'm not ruling it out, but I have a hard time believing them. Maybe the number's not that. It might be lower, which would be tougher for him to take that if he wanted to do that. Jake, but does he have the receipts? There's no receipts. No like, receipts? Listen, uh, no recordings? There's nothing no record- like that? I would hope that they're smart enough not to have anything. I mean, that that's the kind of stuff that... Raph, Raph, what do you think, man? Do you do you think do you think Flores was offered a hundred grand a loss? What do you think, bro? Well, we've talked about this a little bit, me being a Bronco fan and all. Um, oh, gosh. Right yeah. now, I don't I don't think he has built any trust. He says he's a man of trust, but hmm. he blatantly came out and lied about the Broncos interview, which has went back and they've proven that there were six people with the Broncos contingent that showed up at 7.30 in the morning for an interview. And he said that they showed up an hour late. So you have six people against one and, you know, you're taking notes at this interview. So if he's saying he's a man of truth, but he's maybe fibbing about that, then, you know, what else is he? And then it was kind of like, 
I thought it was very unclassy after um, Levy Smith was named coach of the Houston Texans. It was like, congratulations, you hired Lovey. And then at the end of it, it's like, but I probably would have been the coach if I wouldn't have filed a lawsuit. I mean, that's, yeah. you know, I, I don't know if I make that comment. Well, I think yeah, I'd so, leave that out. So Flores, yeah, Flores was, again, I, I told you I liked him as a coach. He's a he's a hard ass. He pushes people to, you know, right. hard, and, but he doesn't, doesn't do a great job of hiring offensive staff. But I liked the way he was just – he didn't care. He was just want to be old school, in your face. We're gonna win. We're gonna right. be physical. I right. like that. In my in my view of it, over the last month has gone from up here to just down here, like what Raf just said. The fact that yeah, when Lovey Smith was hired officially this week on Monday, you know, yep. he, the statement as Raf says is we're, we're happy for Lovey Smith to you know to get more minorities as head coaches and he's a great coach. But <laughs> we all know that. It, if I wasn't in a lawsuit, I probably would have been the man for the job. I mean, that like Raf said, that that's just so low class. Like, it's a compliment and a massive diss, right? In the right. same statement, following right. it up. So, well, it just I don't know. solidified the Houston Texans' decision. Like, right. We don't need a headache, right? No. We and got might be a headache. We, we got enough problems as it is. Absolutely. <laughs> we don't need the, the. We made obviously we made the right decision by going with Lovey yep. Smith. Yep. And and go that route. So let me bring it back this way. So, Jay, you try out. When did you find out you made the team for Nebraska? It was Well, I made it. Um, I went through spring ball and everything in 96. Um, and so I was around. I thought I was on the team for the 96 season. And Coach Darlington called me. I had moved to DB at that time. And Coach Darlington called me late that summer mm-hmm. and said, hey, you haven't been on the team. Uh, so we haven't been tracking your compliance, and I don't know. There was some rule that you had to have so many classes mm-hmm. towards your degree. He said you got to take like nine credits or ten credits this summer, or we can't have you out. We'd love right. to have you, but we can't. So, boom, that was it. I didn't do ninety six either. So uh, ninety seven, I went back, and it, it all lined up for me then. So in '97, what did you have to do? Like, obviously, you were, you were a full time student, regardless. Yeah. But they yeah. had those additional hours, yeah. etc. Yeah. So in '97, what did you do to make yourself eligible? Well, I, I apparently I got caught up. I took the classes, you know, between then and the following deal. I took enough classes to to do whatever. I didn't really have a game plan, and right. actually, at that point, I was done. Uh, the 97 tryouts, I went to go watch. I was actually in the Cook Pavilion, <clears throat> up in the window watching it. And Boyd Epley was standing there, and he <laughs> Epley knew me, obviously, because I tried out every every damn year. Um, so Epley looked at me and said, "Why are you not down there?" And I said, "It's clearly not in my cards. You know, I've tried it a handful of times." And he was, <coughs> he said, "I think you should. I think you should try it." Um, wow. And so, I mean, that's all it really took. And uh, he went and got one of his the guys from one of the strength coaches. Gave me his uh, Adidas, the latest shoes that the guys were wearing. And so I did. I ran. I ran the 40, did everything again, and I made the made the, made the the list again, made it back to DB. Of course, Darlington was actually glad. He was like, I'm glad to have you back. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and at that time, they told me I was on the team, but I didn't believe it. I was like, I'm not believing this until I'm, I'm in the media guide. Uh I was like, until they take my picture or something, and make right. this, make this real, make it real. Uh, and so, yeah, then I it, then I made it, and we went thirteen and all. 
you know what, folks? Here's one thing I want to I want to share with you all right now. Again, I kept saying the word resilience. Resilience, the capacity to recover quickly from difficulties and toughness. And Jay said, I did not want to accept it until I knew my picture was taken. I was an immediate guide, etc. Here's a guy, folks, that for a number of years showed up, tested, didn't make it, tested, didn't make it, tested, didn't make it, and then makes it. Comes again. He showed up. So here's my little motivational speech for all of our listeners. Just keep showing up. Yeah, showing up's half the battle. I say that all the time. Jay, showing oh, up is half the battle. And so, Jay, now you have two kids your own. Two you know, beautiful wife, Kendra. Yeah. Two beautiful kids. <coughs> you know what? What's the message you would shoot to them, knowing that had you just said in '97, like, you know what, man, I did this, this time, this time, this, I'm done. But because you kept showing up, you have a national championship ring. What's the message you would say, share with our listeners and also with your kids about the importance of simply showing up? Well, Kinder and I have a, a deal, you know, at this age. I mean, my kids are 15 and 12 now. But, you know, as, as parents, we've always had a rule of no quitting. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just like you can't quit. I mean, if you don't, we're not going to force you. You know, we're right. not Earl Woods or, you know, that kind of parent, a tiger parent or anything like that. But you know if, Earl. if you want to play a sport by all means and our kids are very involved in all different sports i remember jacks uh did baseball one year and he hated it from basically from jump street and was like dad do i have to go back well yeah you do because you mean, started you don't have to go next year but you do have to go on tuesday i mean i wrote i don't right. care if it was 45 dollar check whatever it was right i just remember saying that we don't we don't quit right our family we do not quit so that's really, I mean, that's really all it all it is. It's about like, look, once you try something or get on something, you know, there's no quitting. So, I think that's the rule Kinder and I apply in our house, and it's worked out pretty good for us. And our, you know, our kids are doing all right right now. Raf, go ahead. So yeah, so you make the team in '97. What um, I guess like. Who, who, like, gives you that call? And, I mean, is this, like, a Rudy moment? Are you down on your knees crying? I mean, this is – I feel like, you know, let's say right from the movie. You... Yeah, well, I would say my black Rudy moment was <laughs> – Black Rudy was, moment. <laughs> was, was, the, was the first time, like, in 96. I mean, literally, I'm not going to lie to you. I was a fan, right? And if you knew me, anyone who knew me then, I was 155 pounds tripping wet, and I was the biggest Husker fan on the planet. So I remember sitting in that first meeting, um, and like I had said, you know, I kind of got out for quarterback, and these were, these literally were my heroes. I mean, here comes Tommy Frazier, Brooke Berenger, Lawrence Phillips, you know, Aaron Davis. I mean, all these guys that were just legends of the game to me. And uh, so I that was my moment, that meeting, that first team meeting, um, and then getting a helmet for spring ball. That was in the 96, and they put, you know, I had a helmet, and, I mean, my mind was blown. I mean, I'm not going to lie to you. So I did have that moment then. But uh, the 97 season, by then, of being cut that many times, like I said, I didn't, I, I wasn't believing nothing until I was in the media guide and actually out there for fall camp. And, and, and even the first game, like Akron, uh, you know, I got, I was so excited. I was first person out the tunnel, like, oh, yeah. And I. <laughs> I even caught flack for that, but there's a picture, and I say that's the picture. It's like my dream was to come out of the tunnel, and I got a beautiful picture of me. Actually, I got so excited I was ahead of Tom. I was ahead of everybody, 
<laughs> Even had a coach Osborne to where like JP and Grant were like, wait a minute, what is Sleepy doing? Like leading the team, like you know. So it, I mean, yeah, that was that was kind of my moment. But yeah, until until I knew I was coming out that tunnel at, by '97, I didn't really believe anything until I it was it was real. And you know what, Jay, you did come out of that tunnel, man. And someone uh, texted in talking about you know the finish the story about how did you come in three tryouts and. And not getting it done, but yet you did three tryouts in 97. You remember the 1997 championship team. What was that feeling like? Because you're on the back of Coach Osborne's book on, on leadership. I don't know if you knew that or not. Oh, no, I didn't know that. Yeah, you're on the back of his book that Pat Robertson wrote on leadership. It's got your pick. You, you always knew the camera was at, first of all, Gates. Yeah, I did. Yeah. You knew the camera was at. Yeah. So you, you, you have those times to where – you didn't make it, didn't make it, and you finally made it. Let me ask you this. What made you simply say, I'm going to try it again? I, 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 when I went down to the Cook Pavilion, I didn't plan on doing it. Literally, Boyd Epley looked at me, and Boyd was still, I mean, I, I, I guess I held him in high regard. I mean, he was, he was physically fit and a big dude, and he said, Absolutely. go down there and try. Um, and like I said, that was enough for me. Uh, he actually took me down there. Told the dude to give him my shoes or his shoes, and I excuse me, I ran into someone else's shoes. So, um, you know, I mean, I, I probably would have tried, maybe gone down there anyways. But I mean, he told me, and there was a I don't know a sign. I think Kinder would say he was a sign. <laughs> <laughs> Peaches, as you so, call her. <laughs> yeah. So, so I went down there and I tried out and I made it, and it, it it was a storybook. It was a storybook year. But yeah, I I knew my role. You know, Nebraska was going to win a national title with or without Jay Yates, that's for sure. And here you are at 46 years old, Jay. Yeah. National champion, 1997 team. Um, you're in corporate America. You do very well in corporate America. You've done a, a blaze, an amazing trail for you and your family. But then you got involved with officiating. Yeah. So hence why Jake hmm. and Raph, we always ask him, and Raph will always say, why are you calling Gates? I got this call. I'm like, because Gates studied this. I, yeah, I do study it. It's a. I think people think refs just show up and work a game and and piss people off and leave, but that's that's not. What we, there's a lot more behind it. Before we do that, yes, there's a lot of study and there's a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes. There's a lot behind the scenes. Raph, go ahead, big dog. Oh, I was just I was just going to ask. So you completed college, went into corporate America. When was it when you like decided to become a become a ref? Like, did it start? Did you start like, you know, ref in high school games, or what kind of led you to the path you're on now? You know, um, to be honest, the very first guy that got me started, I was still in my twenties, um, and a guy at work said, "Hey, I need a handful of you guys to put on some stripes and come work some little league games," and I did that. Uh, and this is before my kids were born, and it was just a one weekend deal. I had a blast doing it. I told Kenner at the time I wanted to get into it, but it was several years later when we were living in Des Moines when I actually followed up on it. I kept talking about it, and she said, well, why don't you really just do it? And so then at that time, I took the test, and we were living in Iowa at the time. I took the test. So all my officiating started in Iowa and continued once I moved back to Nebraska here in 2014. But by then, I was doing college and high school and doing all the big stuff. But, yeah, you start at the lowest levels and uh you work your way up. I mean it's 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 kind of a grind if you if you enjoy it. It's a lot of fun though. 
Jay, let me ask you this, man. What do you think about – okay, so we have the Super Bowl week right now. Yep. You have your peers yep. that are getting prepped for the biggest game. It's going to be the most watched game. It always is every year, Jake. You think oh, about yeah. this. Absolutely. Most watched game, you know, all over the world, literally. What's the preparation taken like this week? And, I'm, and here's, part, here's, here's part two of this question. Do you think we should have full-time refs? So if you're refing this game this week, Jay, so I'm, I'm throwing a lot out you, yeah. big dog. Yeah. What's the preparation this week for the Super Bowl refs? They're watching film, game tape, et cetera, tendencies from both coaches. And secondly, do you think we should have full-time refs? Okay, I th- I'll take that in two parts. Um, I would imagine that the guys, and I know actually my mentor, the guy who really had a huge impact and has a huge impact – on my officiating career, Scott Halverson is actually working the Super Bowl. He's the Super a, Bowl. He's a back judge. On so, Sunday. Yeah, this coming Sunday. So I had texted him. He worked the Green Bay game. He's the one who got me into college. He's the one who opened up the doors and get me into the COC where I work now um, or making those connections. So I've known Scott for ever since 2010-11 when I first started doing officiating. So I know what he's doing. Um, and a lot of the guys in the NFL, I'm sure it's just a standard week for them. But that's the thing is a standard week is prepping, um, taking the test, taking the quiz. I don't think people really understand what it takes to get those those postseason assignments. Right. And obviously the Super Bowl is the epitome. Right. So, um, you know, it's it's a lot of work. It's a lot of pride. It's a lot. I mean, it it is. They are the best of the best. Now, do they make mistakes? Absolutely. And and. That kind of translates to your question about full time refs. I would I would venture to say to you that anyone that officiates at the D one level, power five and and up in the NFL guys included, um, they're already putting in. I can assure you, they still have their regular jobs, and they're probably putting in thirty five or forty hours a week every week during the season. Jay, whoop. Okay, so these guys ref in the Super Bowl right now. This is the creme de la creme. This is it. This is the best of the best. Yes. So these guys here, is the grading process pretty stringent to get them in this position right now? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I, I think people underestimate how accurate officials are on the field most of the time. I mean, we get criticized for the mistakes we make. But I think the overall grade, and I don't know the exact statistics, but – I think D1 and up, the accuracy level is like at the 97, 98 percentile hmm. um, on the field, correct calls. Now, do we miss calls? Yeah. And do it. And do people miss calls? Yes. Do we make mistakes? Is judge, <coughs> judgment sometimes a problem? Yes. Um, you know, I mean, there. as long as you have the human factor, you're going to have that. But like I said, we're putting in 35, 40 hours a week. You know, I would think watching game tape, grading game tape, studying, taking tests, taking quizzes, pregame, travel. I mean, you, you start ending up at the D1 level and you put a week together and you're going to hit that 40-hour mark. So, But the reality is even if you had full-time refs, I mean, even if I quit if, and I wouldn't do it, and I think a lot of the guys, I'm not quitting my day job, right? Uh, like you said, I'm doing well in corporate America, and I can still do the reffing. Um, <laughs> but be smart here. That's right. I can do both. But at the same time, I mean, it doesn't matter. I mean, I can study, 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 study. I don't know what, what, what you want these guys to do um, because you still got to make a call at the pylon with – a guy running a four two forty, or a guy jumping and landed. Did he get one foot, two foot, whatever game you're working? 
you know, in, in, in a hair of a second. So it's not going to change whether I studied another hour or I was at the facility doing instant replay. You know, I do replay now, but um, so that, that's not going to change anything. That's 40, I mean, calling me full-time and to make me quit my regular job is mm-hmm. not going to make me a better on-field official. It's just, it's not easy. Right? right, I mean that's the that's the bottom line. But yes, these are these guys working this week are the best of the best. There's hands, no hands down. Now, if they blow it or make a mistake, I mean, I personally, being an official, I mean, it's the worst feeling. And I guarantee you those guys will never. I mean, think about it. I mean, these guys, like my buddy Scott, he's been in the NFL for 19 years. Yeah. Now this is wow. his third Super Bowl, so he's established that he's he's very good at what he does. So this isn't his first one, but some of these guys, like, you know, that inadvertent whistle that they blew in the game. I mean, we've all yeah. done that. I've done. I mean, the Bengals game, Bengals yeah, Raiders. With yeah. the inadvertent whistle. Oh yes, that, that was guys got Jay, banned. That was huge, man. I know they got banned for the rest of the postseason. Yes, you, you guys aren't doing any more games. They that got was huge. Pun- they got punished for that. Yeah, I mean, that was huge. and rightfully so. Oh, it was huge. Yeah, that they, was huge. It's a touchdown on the play. Yeah. Absolutely, Bengals score. We have someone on the text line that said, uh, any new listeners who want to get an, uh, an officiating football in Lincoln should contact the ENOA, Eastern Nebraska Officials Association. We have camps and get them going to the new levels to work their way up. Again, yeah. that's the Eastern nice. Nebraska Officials Association. Is that correct, Jay, right yeah, there? Yeah, we need, I mean, we need officials at all levels. That's that's no joke. I mean, it's, and, and part of it is, uh, part of it is, you know, you get these young folks and you got to learn somewhere. And I think sometimes, uh, you know, the fans, they're passionate about their sport, whether it be a third-grade game out at the runs of fields. <laughs> you know, they all care, man. They don't they know care. that they're screaming and cussing at a guy who's just cutting his teeth and learning. That's where we learn and teach. So, Jay, you know, and Rav, I'm have you come back after this before we go to our break. But, Jay, you think about this. You've been refing for how long now? This will be my... 12th year, I think. 12th 12, year. 12 years, yeah. And you started at what level? When you first start, you just take everything. So I was doing – my first year, I got lucky and I did five varsity games. In fact, when you first start doing varsity football, is like the – you know, yeah. you know you, you're like, oh, my God, I get to do a Friday night game. And and, that, and that's a big deal. And then as you move up, you move up. But, um, yeah, you, you start doing everything because you have to learn the game – you have to learn the rules. Like anyone who saw me work my first game, <laughs> they'll tell you they're like this brother right here. It's not going to work out. <laughs> it's not going to work out no, because as a former player, I mean, I was doing back judge, and it was a game where the ball came deep, and you're not supposed to be watching the ball. You're supposed to be watching the players. And I immediately reverted back to my DB skills, and I was ball coming, ball coming, right. and I was tracking and talking to my safety or whatever. And they're like, dude, you're the official. I mean. Get your head down. You and I, I was watching the ball and trying to go get a pick. Um, and so we watched the game. We watched the game to- totally different. You know, you got to watch the, you know, you're watching the clock now. You know, you're watching the clock. You're watching this. You're watching that. So it, you got to make that transition, and it's not easy. Jay, I'm going to ask you this, man. You're playing days, so you try out, you try out, try out, you make it. Who were the guys that taught you the Nebraska way of playing DB? Because Nebraska DBs have known to be pesky, to being physical, to being crafty. You look at the Baron Miles. Um, you look at the uh, Michael Bookers. 
you look at the the Prince of Mukamuras, you look at the Keo Cravers. I can go on and on and on. And I don't like mentioning names because we'll forget some. And they were all great. Tyrone Williams, etc. Kenny Wilhite. I can go on and on. T. Leggett. Who taught you the Nebraska way in playing DB? Regardless of where you came in at, would you say you, you're part of the family now? This is how we do things here. Who were those instrumental guys for you? I just learned real quick. I mean, first of all, we were deep, right? I mean, yeah. we were like Alabama. NFL roster. Like Alabama is yeah. now is how we yeah. were. So me, you know, we had freshmen that were NFL players. Like When I was playing that 97 year, Ralph Brown was a sophomore, right. Mike Brown. I mean, so these are NFL guys that were starting. Um, so I was literally, I knew my role. Um, I learned a lot from Coach Darlington. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was a DB coach. Coach D, yeah. Yeah. Um, but really and truly, at that time, 97, I mean, I was out there just playing football, you know, mm-hmm. and trying – I mean, they didn't really look at me very much. I was, <laughs> I was I was on the scout team, so I just did whatever they told My me. My brother. Yeah. You know, I was a scout team brother, but um, I used to mess with Matt Davidson a lot. He was a starter, and I knew all the signals, Coach Brown's signals and stuff. Oh, yeah. And I used to just frustrate him. Or VJ, too. I would yep. sit on his routes. Uh, just because I knew the signals, so I cheated a lot. Yeah, I, I watched the practice signals, and I quickly learned the wide receiver signals that Coach Brown was sending in, and that helped me. Right, I, I memorized the signals, and I got out there and, and just did the best I could because I knew I wasn't going to probably play. Coach McBride was very clear on that. <laughs> 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 you know, so like I said, I knew my role. I, so I, I do. I, I was. I was I was that guy that was like, I'm not missing any of this. This is, I'm not missing this. I'm not, whatever it takes. I remember we got to the Orange Bowl and they said, if, if you, if you miss the bus, you're going home. Or if you're not on the bus, that was, I mean, I was, I was following all the rules, going right. to class. Grant and JP scared me. So, um, I wasn't missing workouts. I mean, I did everything, whatever they said, do, I right. did. Right. Whatever they said, don't do, I did not do. Right. And, uh, I was just happy to be there. Here we are all these years later, and Jay has these experiences, and you think about what you've learned and how you've put it into the business world as a referee now, etc. Let me ask you this. I'm going to take a quick break. We're going to come back, but I'm going to ask you this. The mindset of a Super Bowl official, it's Wednesday. The game is four days away, give or take. The mindset, if you're reffing this game, the mindset... This is 93.7 The Ticket with Riffin' with Raph and AD. We're going to pay some bills and be right back. Did you know Nissan EVs have traveled 8 billion miles? Just a quick trip to Pluto and back. And what did we learn along the way? Well, that an EV can take on the world, like the Nissan LEAF. It can move racing forward and take your breath away, like the all-new Nissan Aria. We learned to make EVs that electrify. 8 billion miles driven by Leaf owners globally since 2010. 2023 Aria has limited availability. All-wheel drive expected availability early 2023. Subject to change. This is a 30-second stereo radio for Trade School in the Home Depot. Spot code YHTFD00RGA0. Spot title Project Planning Homeowner 101. So you're ready to tackle a home improvement project on your own. Let's make a plan. Take a free workshop from the Home Depot and get live help from our expert associates. Whether you're upgrading your kitchen or overhauling your bathroom, we'll provide everything you need to get started. You'll know what to look for and what to avoid, so you can take on any project with confidence. Homeowner 101 Livestream Workshops from the Home Depot. 
How doers get more done. Register now at homedepot.com slash workshops.